Connor, how are you feeling? I'm feeling Hamilton as hell. Yes, I love it. And you're a little hoarse. Yeah, why'd right that now? happen? I don't know, but it's fun. That was kind of fun. Okay, so everyone listening, if you are a huge Hamilton fan, maybe you've never heard the pod before, we've got a treat for you. We do. Someone that we, we scoped out on the interwebs. As we do. A phenomenal guest who he is... Aaron Burr in Hamilton, Australia. Yes. The and episode is fantastic. I'm obsessed. I love him. We felt like old friends. And if you want to continue to feel like friends of ours, check out our Patreon where you truly become one of our close friends because you get access to the IG story for only the select close friends. And of course, there's tons of other perks that you've heard us talk about. Take advantage of it today. That was smooth as hell. Well, I love this unscripted close friends moment. That I was know. that was excellent. And if you're a big Hamilton fan, we have talked to Austin Scott, who played Alexander Hamilton mm-hmm. on Broadway. Anthony Lee Medina That's right. from Hamilton Broadway. And I'm sure there's been other people on the pod who have been in Hamilton. I, I just can't think right now. I know. And it's all good. Everyone should check out our back catalog and check out our Patreon. The link is in the bio. And enjoy this episode with Lyndon Watts. Yay! Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to taste in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got none? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater. Pop culture, love, and life in, in New, New York, York City, City and, and the, the world. world. Good day, Dylan. Good day, good day, good day. The world really comes into play on today's episode. Or actually tonight, because this is, it's an after dark, after hours pod. I think this will be a, quite a treat for our listeners. It, it will, because my energy is either going to be cracked or depleted, as I mentioned beforehand. I know, you keep saying that. I think it's great energy, because normally, I mean, this is a little BTS behind the scenes for everyone, but normally we're like fresh, just awoken, drinking coffee on the pod. And- we prefer a 10 or a 11 a.m. recording. We do. Which is the case for our guest. Ooh, yes, it is. And it looks like they've got coffee on my desk, even though it's 8 30 at night. But Connor, you mentioned that I I keep saying my energy is okay. And I will say I just came from a happy hour with our fraternity. I know everyone's jaws are on the floor. I know our college fraternity. And I have to say, I was nursing an open wound throughout all of the (laughs) what? I had a strange bug bite that I thought was just like an itch, and I scratched it. And I'm looking at it now. Oh, I got a Band-Aid from the bartender. I fully started gushing blood. Oh, my Lord. But I was, like, maintaining conversation with guys I haven't seen in years. And I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. While, like, licking my fingers to, like, lap up the blood. It was insanely disgusting. (laughs) What were you drinking? Um, I had a pineapple cider. Oh, okay. It was tasty. It was very tasty. (laughs) I know. Everyone else was drinking, like, IPAs. And I was like, okay, I'll have the cider. No one actually likes IPA. They're pretending. Mm, they are, but it's fun. Everyone looked good doing it. They're like, oh, it's hoppy. It's no, no. that's nasty. No one yeah, likes the, it. The only thing I like about IPAs is the way that they're named. Like they often have fun names. Oh. Well, that sounds like I a, can't think of any off the top of my head. Sounds but. like you've had a fun, a fun night. I yeah. I, today the only thing that happened to me was that my twunk college soccer player. Jim Crush talked to me a lot at the gym this morning, which was thrilling for all parties involved. Now, did he approach you? He does every day. Wow. I know. I think we're like kind of bros. Okay. (laughs) I know. I know. I think I've seen this before on (laughs) Pornhub.com. 
forward slash gay, of course. I know, I know, I know, I know. So I'll keep everybody abreast on the situation there. But Dylan, we're recording tonight for a very special reason. Yes. Because there's a time difference involved in today's pod. Mm -hmm. And I am so excited for this guest because they're performing in live theater. Maybe not as we speak, but technically they're in live theater. And a production that's currently open. Just on a little Absolutely. bit of a hiatus. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm thrilled. And you know, you had this brilliant idea and we found him on Insta and we thought, oh, he's perfect. This is the one. This is the one. I'm gonna bring him in. Please, please. Because I think everyone's gonna be treated to his accent as well. Our guest today is coming at us from Down Under, currently the lead of the extraordinary production of Hamilton in Australia. Yes, you heard that correctly. We have the one and only Aaron Burr on the pod where it happens. Okay, we're Hamilton as hell. Now, before helming the only currently running production of Hamilton in the world, our guest graduated from the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts in 2014, and he was cast in the National Australian Tour of Sweet Charity, followed by additional turns in productions of Anything Goes, Singing in the Rain, covering Jafar in Disney's Aladdin, Aurelio in Kiss of the Spider Woman, Bernardo in West Side Story, and was just shy of opening a chorus line as Paul before the lockdown. This gorgeous man has been featured in Vogue Australia, Wish Magazine, GT Magazine, and surely all across your Instagram Discover page trust. He is a rising star with a personality, insane talent, and an emerging voice of advocacy and equality. Please welcome to drama, Lyndon, Lyndon Watts! G'day, mate! How's it going? <laughs> You're delivering. Thank you for having me, guys. Hello! Hello! The pleasure is all ours. This is so fun. Happy Thursday to Happy you. Happy Thursday evening to you. Wednesday evening. <laughs> Wednesday evening. Wednesday. Are you familiar with the musical Wicked and the scene before Popular when Glinda says to Elphaba, look, it's tomorrow. Do you remember that part? <laughs> no one remembers that but me. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a up-to-date reference that I'm absolutely all over. Yeah. Very relevant. <laughs> well, Very timely. It's tomorrow for you, which is kind of a time warp vibes. Like, I know. And another music theater reference. Yeah. I'm chock full of them. Lyndon, good morning. Thank you for coming on Drama. We like to ask, we kick it off by asking all of our guests how they're doing. And I'm wondering, are you well? I am well. I am well. Uh, <clears throat> I think when we first were in chats to get a time to do the podcast, I um, I was doing Hamilton and we were open and, uh, you know, theaters were functioning in Sydney, New South Wales. And um, since... Things have changed as the, you know, these things do change quite quickly with lockdowns and stuff. So we, ha we are on a brief hiatus, um, waiting to get back to the theatre during a, uh, a lockdown that Sydney is experiencing. But besides that, I am well. I am also very experienced at keeping well during lockdown. So I am um, using all of my tricks and things to get through and to keep sane and happy. Yeah, I'm well. Are you well? Yeah, you're experienced at it. I'm, I'm praying a lockdown doesn't happen up here for us, but it hopefully this is brief for you all is the, so the whole city is in lockdown or yeah. is it like a region yeah so it's the whole city it's um it's like snap lockdown trying to you know nip it in the bud get the numbers down um yeah it's you know it's it's all this all this you know vaccination rollout and you know i know, I know there's a there's stark contrast between uh vaccination rollouts and stuff in the states versus australia so yeah it's 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 tricky at the moment but optimistic that we'll like a speedy return very optimistic. Definitely. I think so. Now, when when did Hamilton open? 
in Australia. Oh, we opened earlier this year, so like March. I, I think. mean, that's like crazy to me. It feels like it honestly feels like twelve months ago, but it's been six. It's been a solid six months. Wow. Yeah, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Wait, yeah. so. Australia famously, and I suppose New Zealand famously was like COVID free for so long. Yeah, ain't that the gag? We were like some of the first places in the world to like be open and like, you know, do you, do you guys see that video of, um, it was like the first video that came out of Chromatica playing in a club in Melbourne? Literally, I was just about to reference that video. We were there like that week, like we were in that space, my boyfriend and my friends and I, we were all there like Ugh. during that time. So to now be like, a couple months down the road and be in this position it's kind of like wait and then then for the rest of the world to be functioning with you know it's just yeah it's, it's bizarre but we work with the punches yeah definitely so are you locked down with your boyfriend no he's currently in perth doing west side story actually oh you're you're no stranger to west side no i'm not three times i've done west side actually two two wow. you know two two prior to i'm professional and then one professional really yeah you know i i in West Side Story as a teen. I need to tell you, Lyndon. Bernardo? You were Bernardo. I was, I was Riff. Fabulous. You look at me and you think, oh, he's the leader of a gang. Absolutely. <laughs> and I was Doc, which, you know, was even more typecast. <laughs> um, Again, written in real life. <laughs> Doc has an amazing, you know, storyline in the second act where he kind of like gives it to Tony straight. And no one talks about it. No one talks about it. Back to, uh, my boyfriend and I, I'm referred to him as Max, uh, we're talking about his, his, that exact moment in Act 2 when he's like, why are you killed? And he has his dramatic like, I never had a Maria. And it's like, there, that's the crux of the character. Yes. I don't, was that, you know, was that the spine of your doc? Dylan, was that something that you kind of... 100%. I really struggled to nail that one down. I used sort of an older gentleman voice mm -hmm. in that moment. I also got to slap Tony, which was um, a cathartic moment yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is so fun. So what role is Max playing? He is, uh, I believe it's Louis, one of the sharp boys. Oh, fun. Mm -hmm. And you were Bernardo. I was Bernardo. At one point. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so fun. I'm excited for the new movie. Yes. It looks incredible. Everything everything about it honestly was sensational. I know. Speaking of Doc, I think they're finally going to give Doc their flowers as Rita Moreno will be playing this new version of Doc. That's what we want to see. Definitely. All roles should be replaced. By yes, it. this yeah. is the comeuppance of Doc. <laughs> <laughs> and she seemingly sings somewhere, as if, from what I can tell on the trailer. So, Doc, I should have been had, I should have had the somewhere solo. That's camp. <laughs> it's camp. Yes, Linda, it's camp. You're so right. It's camp. It's camp being, like, being performed in real time before our eyes. It's like, no, we're going to take that song away and give it to <laughs> Every production interprets somewhere differently. Yeah. Like I, I remember there was a revival a few years ago where they had a little kid singing yeah. somewhere and that was like the Broadway one and it didn't, it didn't work as well. And sometimes they'll have just a soloist. Some, I, sometimes I've seen productions where anybody's sings somewhere. Yeah, I think anybody's has done it. I like that. The ones that I've done, I think uh, when I did it, I, I was in my final year at university and um, we did West Side Story and we were, when it was looking to what like I was going to end up playing Bernardo, I was like, what if I just go in there and pitch, maybe this is the production where Bernardo sings <laughs> somewhere. Maybe that's this production. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, I'm sure there's been one. I'm sure there's been one. I'm sure. The next you one. never know. Maybe the next one I do. It's surely in your in the cards for you eventually, but like right now you're, you know, leading the international sensation. Um, but, you know, Australia has been very front of mind for Connor and I lately because we watched all of Drag Race Down Under. I don't know if you watched. Yes! Okay, let's go. Uh, let's go. I know. Are you pleased? Lyndon, I need to tell you something. It was one of the most entertaining drag races I've watched in the last few years. And I'm going to tell you why. The all What they lacked in runway, you know, eleganza that was mind-blowing, 
the queens really brought it in the workroom in terms of being just unhinged mm -hmm. and like not bad behaving, but just very honest and real. And I think we're missing that a little bit on at least, you know, Drag Race US. They, they know they're going to be on camera now. They know they want to sell merch and be fan favorites. And they know all this going into it. And I feel like the Down Under girls were very like, no, fuck you. And like they got into like real fights. It was like refreshing to see for me, at least. Yeah, I mean, we um, ultimately we want to see, we don't want to see people get along. We want to see people right. in conflict. I guess that it's the interesting thing about Australian culture, people in general, but also Australian drag. It's it, that in the uh, RuPaul's Drag Race and like TV format, I was always very curious to see how it was going to play out because we aren't like, we aren't American. We The way that we tell our stories, the way that we um, behave, Gem, you can tell, you look at the queens in, um, down under and, you know, the New Zealand queens and the Aussie queens. Generally, it's like there's just the tone is just a, a little flatter, a little bit more ch like generally chill and like like sometimes a little bit flatline. I feel like towards the end of the season, they just started to have to like produce stuff in the, the um, in the uh, in the, the chat of the room to um, kind of produce produce like interesting things. But uh -huh. yeah, I, I think, yeah, you're exactly right. The looks, the looks um, that were turned weren't maybe the uh, all stars extravaganza, but it's just, I just like seeing different cultures like in the drag race format, like drag race España, drag race, you know, Holland and stuff. It's, it's always fun. UK drag race. Do you feel like it represented your, the, the down under countries well? Yes. I mean, I would always love to see more POC queens represented in the lineup. I know. What was that all about? And for it to and for it to be like Coco Jumbo and um, the beautiful Indigenous Queen to be sent home the first like two episodes, I was like, okay, well that's not it. And then there was all that stuff with like there's been like racist um, you know scandals and stuff with a few of the queens. So it, unfortunately, it is, it is yeah representative a lot of a lot of the media stuff that we have over here. We we have a lot of problems with representation and um, the whole. I don't know what it felt like to with an American with an American lens, but like the thing with Scarlett, mm -hmm. with the whole, like, you know, I, I studied in Perth, so I probably seen her perform in a club before. Okay. Um, but I didn't, I certainly didn't know about any of the other stuff that she had done. No. Um, but it just felt weird. The, that, that whole moment felt weird. And it, it, yeah. it was odd. It was almost like she felt the need to come forward with it before Rue asked about it or something. I don't know. It was, it was a strange sequence of events. I really did enjoy her drag and, and I thought she was interesting. I, I don't know. I, I did appreciate that Rue gave her the chance to sort of redeem herself, but then I actually looked into it a little bit more and I saw the images and Wild. it was really bad. Wild. It was really bad. It wasn't just like the one or two times that she said it was. It was. Mm -hmm. It's a career. It, she had a career of it, <laughs> of brown and black hair. Like it's not. It was horrible. She. Yes, it seemed like she had built it all, her whole drag persona yeah. on it. Um, I although I will say I was very pleased with the outcome. I really yeah. loved Ketamine, and I thought she was fun and energetic. Especially towards the end, she really pulled yes. through. She was gorgeous. Towards the end, yeah. And I loved. Was it Anita Wiglet? I liked her a lot too. I was surprised that she went home early. Um, earlier yeah but, but the episode she went home i was really starting to warm to her i was like oh you're like you're so much fun like you're crazy you're absolutely cuckoo definitely like terminally terminally like terminally delightful ben de la creme the ben de la creme you know, like yeah for sure wait are you a big fan of all the um like the u.s seasons and all stars and stuff yeah i've been a big fan since i was like 11 my friend my friend and i when we were little gay boys running about we used to like 
call each other Heather because I was Raja and he was Vanilla. We were like 12, honestly 12, 13, being like, Heather! Barely knowing what it meant. Of course, not having seen Heathers yet, but we just love, yeah, I've always loved the show, always. Wait, I love that so much. So you came out early. Mm, not came out, but like was, was um, functioning at a very gay frequency for a long time, for sure. <laughs> Functioning at a gay frequency. That is That's amazing. Funny. It's pretty gorgeous. I've never heard it worded that way. That's good. What is like the the the, the temperature of queer identities in Australia in particular? Um, it's changed very quickly as it has in the um the um states. Do you, if you don't mind me asking, what uh, age are you guys? What how old are you? Twenty seven. Same. Great. It's a perfect reference point. I feel like our our generation is a little bit in the middle. There's I feel like thirty to thirty five. A lot of the gay men and queer people that I know. There's, there was still a lot of shame that they, um, heavy shame that they grew up in in Australia in the 80s. There's like, you know, the AIDS camp, like AIDS scare campaigns and a lot of fear-based stuff that a lot of the older queer people that I know had to work through. And then there's our gap. And then there's the people who were younger who were just growing up and it's just like, they're gay, they're like, they, they're doing it all and it's just beautiful and <laughs> um, all-encompassing. But for our age group, I feel like there was a little bit like, it's almost like a 50-50 split of like, oh, you could be so deep in shame and like fear that you um, struggle with it or you could just lean into the, oh, just, you just do it. You just, if you see enough people, like I happen to see enough, you know, starting performing music kid, I saw enough queer people being themselves and it being fine, that, that kind of like embedded in my psyche. And then as I came to the, po the point where I needed to, you know, either come out, process those feelings, put words to them, I had had examples where people had been queer and happy in front, you know, for years. So I was able to do that slightly smoother than I think some other people. Yes. Yeah. That is so special. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this earlier. Are you the first or maybe only openly gay Aaron Burr? I could not say. I have no idea. I know. I don't know enough about like the Hamilton like legacy around the world, but I feel like it's mostly been played by like cis straight men well i mean i won't say it's hard to say specifically but i mean in general i you know like in australia uh as far as queer representation in leading men um it's 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 not a lot and then you know men of color black leading men um even less so yeah i don't know I don't, um it, there's so much else with the show that like that, that is, has been like a point of focus and things to like handle but I guess that's that that's something that I haven't quite like looked into or like questioned much but yeah yeah if, if, if that were to were to be true it would I it, it yeah wow I haven't thought of it you're a role model regardless I think that's amazing you're a trailblazer in the Australian theater scene <laughs> Does, uh, am I <laughs> am I I think so but I've got a question for you when you were doing Aladdin did you work with Michael James Scott I sure did Okay, he's a friend of the a dear friend of the pod. God. Yeah, he's amazing. So did you so you obviously got to go on opposite him at any point? Yeah, I I joined so they'd been doing the show in Sydney and then they moved to Melbourne and I moved I joined the show uh in Melbourne. So I was doing Singing in the Rain in Tokyo while they were doing the Sydney season and then I joined for Melbourne and by that point, um did I ever go on in Melbourne? I think probably yeah, probably a couple of times. Yeah. You have a knack for villains, it seems, Jafar. And I guess if some people call Aaron Burr a villain, I mean, he calls himself a villain at the end, but. Drama. Drama, gay, <laughs> like messy, messy gay. I'm a messy gay, what the heck do you want? Um, yeah, it, it's, I, I've thought about that through training and through growing into the industry. It's like, oh, this is how I see myself. And then this is how the industry sees me. This is how the casting people see it. You know, it's, it's been a journey of figuring out where I sit with all those things. But um, I think the villain thing is kind of just like, the ability, like if you've 
seeing the dark places. If you've gone to the dark places, then I feel like the audience can look into your eyes and, you know, see that. I feel, I feel like that's got a big, um, you know, the, my, the thing that I, I don't, you know, that makes me able to see into these characters and actually not see them as friends, to just see them as, you know, damaged people. Um, I feel, yeah, I feel like my queer experience, my experience as a person of colour, all those things allow me to step into those villainy shoes, whatever that means. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like I have so many questions about, well, of course, about your theatrical experiences. But another thing we like to ask all of our guests is sort of about the beginning. You know, that moment you decided, I'm going to be a star. (laughs) We call it a ring of keys moment. (laughs) Do you feel like you had that moment, Lyndon? Yeah. I think when I was younger doing, um, is this thing called Young Australian Broadway Chorus? short YABC um I would every Friday night I would go to this sort of it was held in um you'll have an equivalent you will have an equivalent over with you guys um go to you know a a high school at the uh every Friday night and it's like you do music theater numbers uh, you do stuff from we did from stuff from Anastasia rags bat boy like we the people who ran it were like it was a big all over Melbourne a very big deal um and I was with a lot of like-minded people for the first time and people who liked music, theatre and dancing and singing and telling stories and being silly. And then as I, you know, progressed through towards puberty and grew up a little bit, what's still all the while doing this beautiful performing arts thing, I think that's the Ring of Keys moment of why I actually want to be around in the theatre spaces, around theatre people. I think it comes from things like YABC where I was like 13 and looking around and seeing other queer music theatre, POC, like a, just a mix. You know what theatre does? It is a mix of experiences. It should be at its best a mix of experiences. And um, my yeah, the Ring of Keys moment is I remember being in, a, in the theatre at the end of that year when we do our big, okay, we're going to the National Theatre in St Kilda. We're going to do a week of shows. And you do a week of shows and like for a kid stepping into a theatre for the first time to perform and seeing, you know, hundreds of kids and of all different ages that I, I have a very clear mo- uh, ring of keys moment standing in the National Theatre of St Kilda, looking at the, the red carpet and the proscenium art, the, seeing the magic uh, group of kids, you know, rehearsing on stage, all of it coming together for this weird moment of like, oh, this is special. This is something that. I want to learn more about and I have curiosity about and that is scary and exciting and wonderful and I think that's that's why I kept pursuing it through childhood and then another sort of ring of key a, a professional sort of bigger scale ring of keys moment I guess was when I was in New York, New York see, uh, seeing the Broadway smash hit The Color Purple with Cynthia Erivo oh. a couple of years ago however long ago that was. And at the time I was just doing Singing in the Rain and I was kind of thinking about like, okay, like what do I want from, I'd done a couple of shows and I was like, what do I want? Like, what do I want? What's the, what are my goals with this? What do I want to end up playing? Do I want to play roles? Do I think I can play roles? And I was sort of looking for my why, like, why did I want to do this? Why music theatre? Why? Because I have done film and TV stuff. I've done straight theatre training as well. So I wanted to figure out why music theatre, what's the end goal kind of thing. And after seeing Cynthia, which I saw twice because it was the best thing I'd ever seen. Uh, of course. <laughs> it was like, I'd never felt anything like that in a theatre before. Not just Cynthia's performance, but the whole cast and the production itself had such an impact on me. I walked out of the theatre and I was literally, I was like, oh, I know why now. Like, I don't, I don't want to be famous. I don't want to, I don't need to be rich. What I want to do with this is to stand on stage and make people feel the full spectrum of emotion that that actor made me feel just now. Like to, to take 
the audience on the high and low emotional trip that Cynthia took me on in, a, in The Colour Purple as Steely. That's, I want to be able to do that at least once one day. Oh my God. I love that so much because I know what you're talking about when you're, you know, when Cynthia was giving that performance, it wasn't just everybody on stage. The entire room was there in it with her, you know? Spiritual, spiritual. It was, uh, it was church. It was, I've, yeah, I never experienced anything like it. There's, there's an amazing, one of the best things that's ever happened to me in a theater was as I, as an audience member in the color purple, staring at the stage, Cynthia singing, I don't think I feel old at all. I think this is the youngest I've ever felt. Behind me, someone yells, yes, God at 25. And I lost it. We all, like the entire audience, the show stopped because this incredible person had yelled <laughs> in the middle of this incredible musical moment, yes, God at 25. And it just, it took me out. Oh my God. That is so beautiful. Yeah. I, I can just see you reliving the moment even as you're sharing it. And I love that you went back to see it again. I had to, I had to. Do you remember who was playing Shug Avery? Yeah. Was it Jennifer Hudson? We had J-Hud, it was early on. Okay, wow. How was she? I didn't see her in it. Um, I mean, it's Jennifer Hudson, so. I know. She could be sleeping, snoring, and the vocals would probably be flo absolutely flooring, but um, yeah, I, like honestly, it was Cynthia. I mean, it was Cynthia's show. I would have loved to see how you do it. Yeah, when I when I saw Connor went back to see Cynthia, I wasn't able to go, but I saw it, and we had an understudy. Cynthia was sadly out, but there was an understudy who was less of like the because the, all the buzz on the street was oh, there's this Tony winning actress. So I think the attention wasn't necessarily all on the young woman playing Seely. So I really felt connected to Heather Headley's Shug Avery and Danielle Brooks. Um, was phenomenal as well. And it was, it was so good. It, I loved that production so much. And I'm curious, did you see anything else on that New York trip? Yeah, I, at that point, it was hitting the Broadway shows hard at those trips. What else did we see that trip? We saw, what year was that? Well, Hamilton. So yeah, if it was early. Yeah, Hamilton was the same trip. Hamilton was the same trip, yeah. I booked tickets to see uh, Hamilton um, when I was in Australia and somehow, somehow got tickets for like $250. This was right yeah. near the start of it as well, which is wild. A steal, honestly. <laughs> honestly, looking at, that was that was when, the, you know those days you're looking at the like chunks of tickets and be like, cool, so that says $10,000. Now, what do you mean by that? Yes. What do you mean by that? Crazy. Crazy. Um, crazy. Yeah, is it is it still very much in demand in Australia? Like, is it like the ticket? Yes. I mean, we, we the, the show sells super well. It's We're also very early on in our journey you know in the true very true so we, we just sort of just open so it's going it's um been wonderful to have the audiences that we've had it's they've been responding super well what else is oh is there like you know how like it's broadway or west end is there like a theater district in sydney yeah i mean it's um there's more just theaters so it's like melbourne has melbourne used to have a big reputation of being the theatrical cultural kind of you know center point of australian theater uh that has i think sh fairly to say shifted to sydney over the last 10 years, six years, um, a lot of independent theatre has um, really taken like the artistic forefront in Sydney. Cool. But it's kind of, it's kind of like, like you would have city to city, like, you know, in the middle of the country to New York, it's like, there's like six main theatres in each city and then there's small independent spaces and then kind of goes from there. But yeah, at the moment, you know, Frozen just opened in Melbourne. Yes. Um, it's just like such a weird landscape now with, with, you know, COVID it's, People are jump like people are quarantining and having to emerge have emergency moves to Melbourne to be able to get down to 
you know, Rahesh set and shows. It's it's wild. It is so wild. Wait, I have a really quick question about your experience seeing Hamilton. In, I mean, on the same trip that you saw Cynthia Revo in The Color Purple, you know, you go see Hamilton and it's this show led by all these amazing, incredible people of color. And you're sitting there and you're watching, I imagine Leslie Odom Jr. playing Aaron Burr. When you're watching the show, did you ever think, oh my God, I could play that role? Or which which character were you like connecting with most? Because I'm an Angelica bitch, so. Yes. Uh, I mean, for the first time in my life, it was literally like, oh, all of them. Oh, wow. The first time in my life it's ever happened. I was like, oh, I could play more than one role in this show. Because it's my experience as a black person in Australia is very different to those the experiences of those you know black people in the states mm-hmm. uh, auditioning for, for theater and Broadway shows. I I'm a light skinned mixed race black man, so my experience is often tokenal in Australia. It has been I have experienced tokenal kind of casting stuff. So I'll be put in positions where I am being considered for a role that has it needs it, it needs a, an experience that I don't have mm. and I don't feel comfortable stepping into the roles, but visually I might look like something, you know, something that the casting people and the director are looking for. Right. So it's a tricky li- kind of liminal space sometimes that I sit in, you know, like, like a, you know, a book of Mormon or a hairspray. It's like, ah, oh, I don't fit anywhere in the, in the spectrum of these shows because the shows are about race and about experience regarding, you know, skin color. And uh, with Hamilton, I looked at the roles and I was, you know, tripped to Broadway and to New York. And I'd done one a couple of years before while I was training as a person of colour coming to New York and seeing theatre, it's more more than just, oh, I like Broadway and I like seeing shows, I want to see some musicals. It's like an affirming experience. Mm. The first show I saw was Kinky Boots on Broadway the years, years before that. Love. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll circle back. I promise I'll circle back. But it's like... No, no, you're fine. This is We love it. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. As, as a person of colour coming to see these shows, and on that trip I had a question, I was like, Am I, uh, I just played Bernardo on my side. I was like, am I just going to be playing Bernardo for the rest of my life? Am I going to be playing these roles of color that have been written as kind of like framing devices for the white characters? Am I just going to constantly be doing this as a person of color on stage? But coming to New York, seeing Lola, seeing in a different way, Newsies, like that trip was had a lot of those, that, that period of shows of like, oh, anyone can do this. Anyone can do this. It looks it looks different in every musical, and it doesn't matter. You know, Jack Kelly can be black. It's like Lola is like Lola black. Like these, there are so many different examples that I was just inundated with on that trip and on subsequent subsequent trips since Hamilton being a show that I saw, and I was like, oh yeah, I am. I could could audition for any of these roles. There isn't just you know one role like Donkey and Shrek, Bernardo and West Side Story. There isn't just one for me here that I could maybe have a shot at. It's an even playing field and there's opportunities to explore different colors within my my skill set and my personality and I get to play with you know finding where I sit in this script rather than just being like well I guess it's this one I guess I've got to make this role work because that's the only one that they'll see me for mm, yeah so it was really it's beautiful and enlightening to have that at, at that at that stage in my career thank you for sharing that experience I can only imagine how cathartic and inspiring that would have been now when you when the audition for Hamilton ultimately came around was it specifically for Burr that you wanted to go out for or did you cut was this for like a general well like you said I I'm an Angelica myself as well the first the character that I really responded to was Angelica yes Um, (laughs) but they they just wouldn't see me they wouldn't take me seriously First of all, it was Hamilton I went in for. It came down to the p- point of like you know picking who I wanted to go in for, and 
they say a lot with um, the Hamilton Burr stuff, it is often sometimes two sides of the same coin. If you have a Hamilton in you, you often have a Burr in you. The, the beautiful uh, relationship of those characters is that they are very similar in so many ways and then ultimately so polar opposite in the most vital ways possible. So I wanted to do Hamilton because it was the most scary, the most challenging, out of my comfort zone. I looked at Burr, I looked at Aaron Burr as a role and I thought that it was something that I could work towards and do. And so I went the other direction <laughs> because at that stage in my career, I was, I, my training and career, I was like, I just want to do something. I want to work hard and, and I got it. <laughs> and I definitely received what I got, wanted. Um, so I did the Hamilton material first for a while and it was about a year of auditions all up. And then during that process, the, the burst material started coming in and I started working that as well. And then the Hamilton stuff finished. I finished the Hamilton audition journey and then it was just with the burr material. And then a year later, here we are. Wow. Oh my God. And has it been fun to play Aaron Burr? I mean, that is a role. Incredible. It's, um, it's been everything. It's been everything. It's been the most difficult thing I've ever done. It's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Uh, it's been the most vulnerable thing I've ever done. You know, like, you know, like you get like you guys reaching out, like it's very, you, you're put out there. I have been put out there. I am a public commodity and, um, I haven't, ex haven't had that feeling before. People, I'm sure when you guys first, uh, first garnered an audience, the first throws are being judged, criticised, people commenting on it, people liking it, people not liking it. It's all very exposing. Yeah. And so it has been an adjusting journey with that. But um, when it feels, when it goes well and everything is according to plan, I feel like a superhero. It feels incredible. Incredible. Oh, my God. What's your you favorite mo moment? Yeah, I was gonna say, do you have a moment? <laughs> Are we twins? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite moment. Oh, that's hard. It. Oh God, it there's so many moments that feel so good. It's in a weird way that's rare. Like, feel like really feel good, like juicy. Like, yeah, that yeah. That, that that feels really good to sit in. That's a tricky question. I think. I mean, room as a song and as a as a moment in theatre is just. It, sometimes I am shocked that I have been given the reins for that legacy, mm -hmm. for like that number. That number is just, and what it means in the show is just incredible. And sometimes, yeah, I am shocked and like it's a little bit of like, oh, 10 years ago, what would little me think if he looked on stage and saw that I was doing one of the, you know, most regarded numbers in music theater? Like, remember what happened? People oh, love yeah. that number. People go off. So. Showstopper. It's, yeah. It's, Total showstopper. It's incredible. It's so I think that's like that's a juicy moment. That's a juicy moment. I personally love Wait for It. I like that one. A lot of people love Wait for It. It, 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 it what what is, can you tell me what about Wait for It really like because everyone kind of has a different answer to this. Why Wait for It? Well, I think that it really builds beautifully. I love that it starts a little little quieter and it's it's just a great moment for we finally see a little bit more inside of Burr's psyche. I think in many ways and I think that it's relatable. For, I think that some of us, you know, might, God, I'm like tapping into, I haven't listened to the song in forever, but like, you know, you, you might approach situations in life a certain way. You might be someone who just goes for it, or you might be someone who feels like, oh, you have to wait for the timing to be right. And yeah. it can ultimately harm you in the end, or it can, you know, be beautiful. But I think that it's just fascinating to see that explored on stage. You know, the, the idea of like the mental health aspect of it too is, is sort of in, in, ingrained in there in a way that I don't think you see too often in musical theater. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And the, it, it's, the, I think that the song captures such a subtle, um, inner monologue, delicate uh, little corner of like humanity. And like, like you said, it, it's very relatable. A lot of people 
he, especially by the, that last last chorus when I'm yelling at the audience's faces, looking down at them, people are nodding. People are like, yes, like life, you know, going along with the lyric. It's like it hits. It really does hit. It's different. It's like I'm just I'm just doing doing my you know my way of getting through this. I think a lot of people feel affirmed in that. I need to watch the Disney Plus. You got to get on it. I haven't watched it in a while and I have it at my fingertips. I just need to dip back into it. Did you watch it in preparing for your own run in Hamilton? I've watched it like once or twice. I really, I really avoid, you know, with this show, it's like this show's legacy was almost instant. Like it was created, it was like legendary mm-hmm. almost immediately. So uh-huh. Leslie, Lynn, um, Philippa, all those amazing actors have put their stamp on these roles. But I think as an actor, it's never really, it's never really benefited me by focusing on someone else's interpretation of this role beyond what is useful, you know, like as a reference point, as a, okay, this is, this is one direction to go with it. This is, this is how the show was created. And like, it's important to acknowledge that and to be aware of what that is. But I think when I started rehearsing, I stopped listening. I stopped watching everything because I needed it to be of me. And they, they, during the audition process, they want more, they want us. They don't want our version of someone else. They, it's about bringing authenticity to the role. So now which, um, which members of the original creative team came to bring it to Australia? Oh, we had, uh, so we had Kurt Crowley, who is our music, uh, associate musical, musical director. We had Patrick, who came over and was our associate director. We had Michael, uh, Michael Baldorama, who's our associate uh, choreography supervisor. Yeah, we were very lucky to have an incredible team yeah. come and work with us. And they're still looking after us and making sure that we're going well with the show. So it's, it's a beautiful family, the Hamilton Network. It's a kind of, you feel looked after. You feel um, so you're like you've got the support you need to do the job well. Because they, yeah, they, they, it's a well-oiled machine. They know what it, they know what it takes. They know what it takes. Yeah. Would you ever want to do Hamilton or... or- or anything on Broadway or in the West End or... Yes. Is that an offer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that. I want to, um, I, like, the best thing about my job is, like, when you get to travel and do it as well. So, yeah, overseas, it, it's tr- tricky, sticky right now, maybe, but like, who knows? Who knows? Bring Lyndon to Broadway. Well, I hope so. Then we can meet and we can hang out and it'll all be fun. And, and drink pineapple cider. Yeah. And- yeah. Dig our scabs at bars. <laughs> oh, well, maybe not that, but um. But, so wait, I, I got to know though. Tell me about your man. So how did you two meet? Yeah, wait. H- tell us everything. Are you in love? Mm, yeah, we've been in love for uh, nine years now. Oh my goodness, Mazel! Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, we met first year at university. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's a true love story. Hmm. Did you guys go out for the same parts? Yeah, very, very different, thankfully. <laughs> um, no, he's uh, he's um, doing West Side Story at the moment, like I said, over in Perth. He's, uh, yeah, Max oh, is yeah. wonderful. It's, it's, um, it's been, it's, you know, dating an actor is, has a lot of wonderful things. Is, you, know, you don't have to explain things. There's an inherent understanding of how things work in the job. But, you know, it's also like when things are well, when things, when things are going right for both of us, we both have jobs that can sometimes mean that we're apart. So it's, it is tricky sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially now that you're both locked down and you can't spend, well, is he locked down? He's not locked down. He's free as a bird, but over in Sydney. Okay. Locked down. But he couldn't hypothetically come to see you. Not right now. It would be, okay. yeah, it would be not, not as fun. Not as fun. Okay. Wow. Wait, what do you do to keep busy in lockdown? There's a key, you can't see, but just have a frame, there's a keyboard just here. Uh, so that, um, 
go for as many walks as I possibly can fit in one day. I try to spend as much time as I can outside walking within the legal uh, limits and boundaries. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned from all these lockdowns, the various ones that I've done, is just like the pressure, taking the pressure off to produce anything. And if you are creative, then let it be for the sake of creativity, not to produce any product or to, you know, to take it as a real step off the hamster wheel moment. Um, I think it's super important. Wow. I'm so sorry. It it like just dawned on me that you're fully (laughs) locked down again and I couldn't imagine doing it. And um, I hope you hang in there. Oh my God. The light at the end of the tunnel. Right. You're going to be back on stage. Mm -hmm. We've done it before. We've done it. What theater, what theater is it? Uh, We're at the Lyric, the Sydney Lyric Theater in in Sydney. Is it near the Opera House? It's a stone story from the Opera House. Yeah. It's in the same across the way. Oh my God. How fun. I was thinking about earlier how many Australian celebrity actors there are that are so world famous it's an embarrassment of riches of actors that have come from australia i mean there's a there's a but there's not much here to do but hone your craft <laughs> you know we're isolated little island so here we are just doing our bit <laughs> oh my god well listen before we go we like to end on a dose of drama something to leave our listeners with perhaps something you've been doing in lockdown or something you've been watching something you want to promote rant about rave about and I'm going to kick it off today because this podcast isn't going to come out for a couple of weeks, but I have a new obsession and I'm jumping the gun on it because only one episode of this show has come out, but the new Gossip Girl has hit our HBO Maxes. And let me tell you, it is everything. It's, it's insane, but why wouldn't I want it to be insane? Nothing makes sense, but everything does. And I loved the original show. And this one actually has diversity. And it seems like it's going to be, well, there's a twist about who Gossip Girl is. And I won't spoil it for our listeners, but we already know who Gossip Girl is in the first episode, which... Oh, I did not know that. They, they, they really... They blew their load in the pilot, which is a choice. Bizarro. Very weird. It's the writing is um so far bad. <laughs> but I love everything about it. Evan Mock? Are you kidding me? Evan Mock? <laughs> but anyway, everyone, you need to watch the new Gossip Girl because I heard it just gets even crazier and um I love the original series and they mention the characters like every five seconds are like what did Serena and Blair do what did you know it's so crazy it's incredible you watched it Lyndon I watched I loved it I and I echo a lot of your your thoughts it's ultimately bad like it's ultimately going to go ahead and be bad but the narrative device they've used around like who is Gossip Girl is just like was this like the second idea that was floated around and you guys (laughs) went with it oh I need to watch I'm I'm down I'm I'm really enjoying it it's also crazy because well, without spoiling for particularly Dylan, I guess, the the fact that they all look, the teachers and students all look very similar in age is throwing me through a loop as well. It's, um... Isn't Donna Murphy on it, though? Not yet. Okay. Excuse me? <laughs> I think she plays the headmistress or something. I might be totally wrong. Oh. Uh, Wait, which guy do you think is the hottest? Oh, easily Evan Mock, the guy with the pink hair. Oh, yeah, he's so fine. Yeah. Easy. Is that the Thomas Doherty? No, Thomas Doherty plays Max. He's like the Chuck stand-in. Yeah, okay. he's the he's yeah. two. Yeah. I mean, they're all very attractive people. Yeah. He... I have a huge crush on him. I-, I wonder if he still dates Dove Cameron. I know that they dated for a while. No, split. Dylan, do you have a dose? Um, My dose of drama is that today fleets were announced as being no longer used on, in, or on Twitter. They're cutting the feature. And I'm a little dramatic about it because it was fun to see people literally post 
insane nudes on Twitter on their fleets. And <laughs> I'm grateful though that they're gone because if you wanted to see what someone's profile picture was, you'd have to click view profile picture or view fleets and now you'll just be able to view their profile picture again. Okay, and sometimes it would switch where, what was where. Did you ever experience that? And so you'd, so you'd accidentally look at the fleet again, I know. Drama. Insane, but you know, Twitter always changing the game. We love you. <laughs> Rest in peace. Goodbye fleets, you had a good run. Did you use fleets, Lyndon? Twitter has been an interesting journey for me. 10 years ago, I was like a Twitter girl and then dropped off and I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. And then then recently, like the last year, peeking back on to see like, are we still going? What's going on? It, it's it, it, the, the world of Twitter is, it, it's chaotic. It's chaotic. Yeah. I like to refer to it as the wild, wild west because yeah. you can see a hilarious joke followed by wild nude photos, followed by like a clip that'll make you weep. It's really... It's, it's crazy. It's, yeah, it, it's such a direct line into people's psyche and, like, thoughts. And, like, some and most of the time, I, I don't think I need it. There's enough rattling around in here without bringing more idiots' thoughts into the mix. Like, I don't need, I don't need that. Fleet or not. <laughs> Do you have a dose of drama? Yeah, there's, so, there's so many things. But let, let's, my experience right now being in uh, isolation, I don't know about you guys, but the Switch, Nintendo Switch, Mario Kart has been something that I've used to play, like entertain myself, uh, play with my boyfriend, my friends. I have a friend over in New York uh, who, when you guys were in the throes of the first lockdown, we were like playing Mario Kart every single day. And I'm going to go ahead and have to need more courses on Mario Kart. I'm sick of playing the same races on Mario Kart. Mario Kart 8, Nintendo, game developers, I hope you're listening. I know you're watching. I can see you. Yeah. I can see you in the comments. I need you to, I need you to. Oh, they're out there. We need you as a global community. I think bring more courses to the Mario Kart 8 gaming format. I need more. I, I can't do it anymore. But not Rainbow Road. No more Rainbow Road. I've not, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I need, we, we've been sitting with the same courses for what feels like an eternity, but reality is probably more like three or four years, but I, I just need more. I need more variety. Uh, yes, I could go outside. Yes, I could stop playing. Yes, I could play another game, but I don't want to. I want to play Mario Kart and I want new courses and I want them now. Give the man his courses. Period. I love it. You know, I haven't gotten, the only thing I do on Switch because my boyfriend has one is I'll do Super Smash Brothers, but I'm wondering now if that's actually on the Switch. Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the only thing, the only course I don't like in Mario Kart is the Rainbow Road. Um, it's, again, talk about chaos. Twitter, Rainbow Road. Twitter and the Rainbow Road are the same. It's sick. It's yes. Sick. They're the same. It's Wild Wild West. <laughs> I just hate how often you fall off. I've, I've always said that. It's it's just insane. Well, Lyndon, listen, it was so nice to chat with you. Thank you for um, joining us this evening and, and this morning. It's just been a damn delight. And I really want to come to Sydney and see you slay as Aaron Burr. Yes. Top on the next flight, girl. Come on. All right. Oh my God. How, how long do you think you'll be in the show? We can always cut this if you're not allowed to say. As long as, like, as long as I can. Amazing. Yeah, as long as I can. I love it. I really love it. Well, we'll try and catch you at some point. Oh, we, we're we due for a trip. We've never been. So mm -hmm. this was so much fun. Yes. Thank you for saying yes to us and doing this. We have had a blast with you. And everyone needs to see you, to see the, the, the hair, body, face. And you're, of course, on Instagram at Lyndon Collins Watts. You're sometimes on Twitter at Lyndon Collins underscore. And everyone should follow us if you aren't already. Of course, you are at The Drama Podcast. I'm at Dylan McDowell. Connor is at Connor McDowell. Lyndon, we adore you. 
Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. It was an absolute joy. Oh, oh, thank you. Oh, my God. We loved it. This was a blast. Gorgeous. Connor. Dylan. I'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.